This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. makes me long for what besides just a ooh, a mustang smelling yeah. like man butt bunch of rags um serial killers that like aren't as good as him like he makes me sort of like hmm. nostalgic for an ed gein style mm. like someone that's like i'm just making them my angels <laughs> right i play with my dolls these my dolls in my field, in my dream world. I would say Ed Gein was very good at being Ed Gein, dude. Yeah, he he made a full nipple belt and his mom became a couch. However, I do get Henry's point in that Ed Gein only killed two before he was caught. Well, yeah. it's, more, it's more like a simpleton murderer that is not quite as skilled as Randy Kraft. If I may give a little bit of a pushback on that, Gary Ridgway, very Mm. much a simpleton. (laughs) (laughs) Very good at serial killing. You don't know, Gary, fuck you. (laughs) There it is. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben hanging out with Marcus and Henry. We are live from Jacksonville, Florida, the home of some of the greatest serial killers of all time. And of course, the Jumbo Shrimp. Two, three, four. We are the Jumbo Shrimp here to play the game. There's a bunch of rags inside of me. Okay, everyone. We are on to part two of Randy Craft, and it's only going to get more disgusting. He really puts the Randy in Randy. (laughs) So when we last left Randy Craft, he was well into the 12-year-long murder spree that would eventually claim at least 67 lives. But like other serial killers we've covered, it seems like love temporarily killed Randy's beast. Can we have a soundboard that does like the old sitcom thing where people go, oh, (laughs) welcome to Delilah. This song goes out to Randy Kraft and his beautiful wife. (laughs) Sucking on dick and I'm killing some dudes and I'm fucking them to the dead. Thanks for calling in. See, as we said last episode, it's thought that Randy Kraft almost certainly had an accomplice in some of his many murders. And considering how fellow freeway killer William Bonin had no less than four accomplices, Mm. it's not a long stretch to think that Kraft may have had a string of accomplices as well. I try to do some outside kind of like... How do you put it? Asymmetrical research on Randy Kraft mm-hmm. because he's never talked about that. That's what I call what it. Does it, mean? Yeah. it means I'm breaking into hospitals. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but I was trying to think of like because Randy Kraft never talked, no. right? We don't mm-hmm. know really anything else. I'm gonna I'm gonna comment a little bit later on one of the police interviews that he did, but it really just shows what a cool customer Randy Kraft was versus uh-huh. anything else. But I, I listened to some interviews with William Bonin to kind of get a little bit more of headway into what this style of killer's thinking. And he said one thing that was interesting where he was like, 
My main thing is, is that I didn't really know how death came to a man. When you stab a man and stab a man and stab a man, you don't really know where you're putting it. I don't know where the heart is. I don't know where the <laughs> organs are. I'm just stabbing, stabbing, just kind of see how much he leaks. What is he? Is he Al Bundy from Wayne's World playing that character behind the donut stand? Basically, but it, I, it did give me kind of this thing of like, but Randy Kraft really built, it's like how a comedian builds his tool sets. Mm. Where you <laughs> is it just like that? Is you, it just fucking like just that? Just like right. it. You know, because you accrue skills and abilities like me, bonbons, impressions, right. um, my natural, just my, my tits, yeah. my huge tits. Perfect tits, yeah. yeah. I just steal all of my humor from Ice-T because I read his yeah. tweet today and he said, I just got robbed at the gas station. I'm all out of money. And then he said, I called the cops and then the cops said, you know who did it? He said, pump number nine. Got him, Q. <laughs> Ice-T. Right, he still got it's it. It's more, it's pump number nine is who's doing all of this stealing. Oh, number it nine. He's just a fucking Midwestern father now. He's become Bill Engel. Here's your sign. Now, the accomplice theory has never been definitively proven when it comes to Randy Kraft, but it was strongly believed by the prosecution in Randy's eventual multiple murder trial that Randy's first accomplice might have been his first live-in boyfriend, Jeff Graves. And if Randy would have married Jeff and taken Jeff's last name, he would have been Randy Graves, which is like the best gay burlesque name ever. <laughs> it really is. I'm like an Adams Family him. themed gay burlesque dancer named Whoa. Randy Graves. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Sign me up. Go for it, boys. <laughs> yeah. You wait until I'm 55 and I let it all go. <laughs> <laughs> they call me the brown waterfall. <laughs> yeah. You better come and support me. <laughs> now, Jeff was never charged with anything, but in response to intense questioning from the police after Randy's arrest, Graves said, Quote, I'm not really going to pay for it, you know. Now, whether he was talking about taking responsibility for Randy's crimes, his participation in the crimes, or just simply his own sexuality, we'll never know. Huh. There's one thing. There, honestly, there's a little bit of a reading about the the relationships that Randy Kraft had between both of the Jeffs. Mm -hmm. Is that it seems to be they really let their partner be super independent. Yeah, like well, that's they just good. they get to just do whatever. But I, I mean, think that might tend towards it really and helps harbor serial killer in a way. Right. They were. So, I actually would put. I would put it that they were so independent of each other that the one never really knew what the other was doing. And yeah, you you assume always oh, out sucking Nick because yeah, that's right. what you you think he's doing. Well, but that's some, what you're doing. Exactly. Well, at some exactly. point you're so independent <laughs> that you're no longer in a relationship, are you? Yeah, you're just yeah. two. No, you're two birds flying together. Mm. Oh, isn't that something? But perhaps the reason why investigators lean so heavily on the Jeff Graves theory is that when Randy and Graves split up, Randy's urge to kill lessened, hmm. then disappeared for a relatively long period of time. Interesting. That doesn't mean, however, that he stopped immediately. Soon after the breakup, he murdered a 19-year-old named Paul Fuchs, hmm. and in a choice selection of lame serial killer humor, he gave Fuchs the name Expletive Deleted. In his scorecard. Well, now, why I don't get because the it, humor. it's spelled F U C H S. It, it looks like nerd joke. It looks like fucks. It might actually be pronounced fucks. I don't know if it's pronounced. I don't know if people actually do pronounce fuchs as fucks. Polly fucks. Yeah, Polly fucks. Uh, <laughs> that can go either way. Wow. So who now again? Corniness mm -hmm. seems to run high in serial killers. Maybe we should check on iced tea <laughs> and make sure that start with Bill Engel. <laughs> oh, no. 
Eventually, though, Randy met and moved in with the aforementioned chubby apprentice baker, the much younger <laughs> Jeff Selig. See, in Jeff Selig, the, the way the author, I like how he, he, he described them. He said that Jeff Selig was the Lucy to Randy's dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I thought you were going to say that he was the Lucy to Randy's goosey. Uh-oh, <laughs> get a little wild. Terminally goosey. <laughs> yes, I love that deleted scene from that new docu-movie about Lucy. You know what I love Isn't about that, that nice? movie, too? It's about comedy. Totally serious. Oh, I love that when they take all of the good things of comedy out of comedy. Yeah. That's great. Well, for the first 18 months of their relationship, Randy didn't commit a single murder. Wow. Seemingly, he was happy with a sort of boring domestic life that typifies most people as they enter their 30s, gay or straight. See, this reminds me of expectations because when Marcus said he didn't commit a murder for 18 months, I literally was like, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> wow, I can't wow. believe that. Wow. 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 And I have never committed a murder and I'm 40, yeah. but I didn't like, I just haven't started doing it. <laughs> so. Well, wow. yeah, I do see that weird craft bone in 2024 shirt you're wearing. <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm kind of puzzled where you even got it. Randy and Jeff joined their friends, Phil and Bob, for what they called Friday Night Poker Club. Oh, my God. Phil and Bob is also what they were doing all night. Come on. Oh, oh, my God. Here's your sign. Pump number nine. <laughs> and once a week, the foursome would play poker or bridge. Interestingly, Kraft would later play bridge on death row with one of the other freeway killers, William Bonin, as well as Lawrence Bittaker, the toolbox killer, and Doug Clark, the sunset strip killer. Oh my God. Fucking pain in the ass group. (laughs) Seriously, bro. That must have been because Randy Kraft very famously took his bridge seriously. Mm -hmm. Wow. Not a shocker, actually. He took it very seriously and he would get very frustrated when he lost because he viewed it. One of uh, their friends within the poker, the game circuit said, you know, if you think about it, murder's a lot like bridge because (laughs) it's really just about Randy understood. This is true. This is a quote. He's like, Randy understood at some point that if you get a hand and understand a hand in bridge, you win. So all he has to do is understand one murder and then he could do bunches and bunches of them. <laughs> I, all right. I love it. I wish I could see the poker tournament, you know, with the little cameras that they used to show on ESPN. I think they were out of content entirely. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear what these people oh. talked about. They must have just been disgusting. I, I guess. Or they just talk, probably just talked about Salisbury steak. I think so. Probably watched. I'm going to say, is this bad to say? Maybe this is bad on Shark Tank, but I feel like this is a Shark Tank group. It I feel like the four of them watching Shark Tank. Yeah. Yeah, they might. I can see that. Mr. Wonderful guys, probably. Mm. I don't like him. The villain. But eventually, the urge to kill came back. Mm. And Randy returned to murder at the end of 1976 with victim Scott Hughes. Discovered completely dressed except for the laces on his shoes, Hughes had been alive when Kraft cut his genitals open from the base of his penis down to his scrotum. It's just like Bridge. And removed. (sighs) Just like Bridge. (laughs) Oh my God. Removed the left testicle. This is honestly, (sighs) and you guys questioned it, but this is why I got the zipper put in. Yeah, like the kangaroo shoes where you could put a penny. That's great. I'm so happy you got zipper balls. Zipper balls, Zabrowski. Additionally, Kraft was getting an extra charge from throwing the bodies on busy freeway ramps, such as the on-ramp at Euclid Avenue in Anaheim. That's where Hughes was found. Yeah, I was thinking about this, and I wonder if his urge abated when he first got into a relationship, or Mm. is he setting up the character of 
dude who dates you, Randy Kraft. I think the urge did dissipate because you see this a lot in serial killers sure. where they get into something where they see, oh, this will fix all my problems. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah this maybe I can get here because it starts, it's exciting. You're, you, because he was significantly younger. You found mm -hmm. that he found that out accidentally. Were they having know. fairly violent sex? Yeah, just regular sex, very regular yeah. sex. Yeah. And oh, they okay. all kind of played a little bit with some with spankums. Yeah. Some spankums. There's some leathers. There were some leathers there. They all did that. Mm -hmm. Okay, that might be able to fill the void for a while. Yeah. Well, the dumping of the bodies on busy freeway ramps, that was done not because the possibility of getting caught was more exciting, but because this made the bodies more likely to be found. And it made them more likely to be found quickly. And, of course, if they're found quickly, then the true extent of the mutilation could be appreciated in terms of terror. He's it, a terrorist. It just seems like in the 70s, these were ways to tell people how to get to your house. Yeah. You just be like, take a right on the body. Oh, like <laughs> when you see like on Mount Everest? Corpse, you're going to want to take a right there. Yeah. It just seems like everyone was dumping bodies on the highway. Well, mm -hmm. this, this fucking four-year time period, it's wild. Oh. Yeah. To maximize the effect, Kraft was also mutilating the bodies more savagely, burning them more with car cigarette lighters, mutilating the genitals further, for example, by cutting off the tips of the penises and oh. playing tic-tac-toe on the victim's torsos and legs with his knife. This is shit oh I've God. written into sketches. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I know, like, I'm not saying, like, like about making a joke about it, but it is interesting. It, it, it is it's so wild. over the top. It's I so mean, over the top. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's very cartoony. And also... The other thing that really struck me with my research this week was how so many of these victims were right on top of each other. Mm, Multiples yeah. in a month, like just again, we'll get into it. He even expands this, but he worked fast and hard. Mm -hmm. Did he play tic-tac-toe with anybody else or just himself? I think it was just himself. Well, he, I hope he won. Actually, we will get into that later okay. on. But concerning the disposal method, it's hard to imagine how Randy Kraft managed to push dead bodies out of his car while still driving 50 miles an hour. That is, unless he constructed an elaborate system of fucking ropes and pulleys, or, I thought, maybe a spring-loaded ejector seat. <laughs> well, now we're getting into Inspector Gadget territory. Yeah, you're not allowed to research and watch cartoons anymore, Marcus. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is the over-the-top nature of it, but I did start, as I was writing this, did start to think more and more in this whole thing in Looney Tunes terms. Does he have bucket seats? Because maybe he with did. a bucket seat, yeah. you could kick him out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a Mustang. I mean, at least he switches from a 1974 Mustang to like a 1979 Toyota Celica. But sometimes he had a van. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, sometimes he had a van. Sometimes he had an RV. I think one one thing I was maybe rolling around in my head was that he set it up in a way. He got so he got so in control. Mm -hmm. It's like bridge. He got so in control <laughs> of the scenario that I feel like he could almost like. I mean, this is really graphic and obviously belittling them as you as humans, but like mushing the cadaver. Ugh. up against the door and then like you either have a string you could have a string yeah, because he maybe. really did prep or you do the thing where you get real good at driving because he's already on fucking Valium you know mm -hmm. what I mean like he's already half lit most of the time right. when he would go in reach across pop it and then he just flings out because you do see several moments where people have seen him do it yeah. right in front of them. And they wow. do see one dude. But I have a theory about accomplices that we'll get into later. Yeah, well, right. And I guess no one's expecting to get pushed out of a car. So maybe the element of surprise. It they're does. All dead. They're all dead. Well, no, yeah, they're people all, watching oh get surprised. And yeah. I think and that's why they, it just happens so fast. And right. then you're like watching it happen right in front of you. And no one thinks so. They, they see a very stern looking man with a mustache. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Well, in one case, Kraft was driving fast enough where the victim's body left a 90-foot streak of blood and skin on the pavement. Wow. Strangely, this victim's cause of death was drowning in salt water while being strangled, which, again, shows you that Randy didn't always kill in his car. Concerning the deaths of others, some like Donald Krizzle were ultimately killed by such bizarre methods as Tylenol overdoses. But with Donald Krizzle, Randy Kraft's 20th victim, the police brought in a psychic after getting nothing but dead ends for years. Yep. You know who told them to hire her? Her. (laughs) She showed up and she says, I have a vision. You'll be hiring me soon to find bodies. You nailed it. The psychic's name in this case was Joan Julian, a.k.a. Reverend Joan. Yes, it's me, Reverend Joan. I don't need anybody to call me Reverend but myself. Oh, my God. You smell like smoke. Thank you. She told police that she had a vision of a, quote, gay party animal who lived in a trailer park in Irvine. Working with this evil animal were other human sacrifice cultists, Mm. including a 50-year-old man, a short Hispanic woman with big tits, (laughs) and a balding former Marine combat pilot who loved knives. Okay. And that's in addition to other various bikers and Satanists. Is this the B team? (laughs) I love it. Absolutely. So in the end, the only thing Reverend Joan got right was the word gay. Hey, that's halfway there. That is halfway there, <laughs> Reverend. You deserve it. Also, can you come with me when I go to the gas station? Because do it again before we this country. Yeah. Number nine. I would uh, love uh, not to waste uh, my time. I, uh, I'm getting a vision. No, they don't. <laughs> oh, dang it. Meanwhile, Randy and Jeff Selig were living a perfectly normal life together. Kraft took more computer classes to become a better data processor. Hmm. And Jeff became a partner at a specialty candy and pastry store called... Grandma's sugar plum. I think I Googled that earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I clicked on one, one grandma's sugar plums on my Instagram. I mean, and now my fantastic. algorithm is all huge titted gilts. That is true, though. <laughs> These I gals did. can crush it still. Yeah, they really can. <laughs> they still can. Well, life is going well enough where Randy and Jeff bought a house together in July of 1979, a cute little stucco bungalow on Roswell Avenue in Long Beach. This bungalow was, naturally, a short distance from the gay bar Club Ripples, which still provided Randy with victims here and there. Now, Jeff Selig never once in their eight years together suspected that his longtime partner was a serial killer. Although, considering how Randy's car was, in essence, a serial killer mobile when he was caught, it seems likely that Jeff spent eight years never once catching a ride with his live-in partner. Think about that. (sighs) There must have been either he was in on it in some way, shape, or form, which I don't know if I completely believe. I don't believe he was at all. Because he really was a light-hearted, silly dude. Like, that's kind of... he. He was he exactly. Worked, he was a partner at Grandma's Sugar Plum. Yeah, and not like Dean Coral <laughs> was though, because we do know some. And Jeff Do- Jeffrey Dahmer both worked in candy and both were and fucking Butcher Baker monsters. Yes. Yeah, but, but so, that's it. But that's the things that Dean Coral made fucking pralines, which are iffy on candy. They're not very good. I'm now, sorry, so you're now you're just fucking judging him on candy. <laughs> we are literally well, in the honestly, pra- we are yeah. in the praline belt right now. Pralines, we are going or pralines. From, I'll say whatever the fuck I want. If Jesus Dean Coral, you're going to my fucking mentions. Never mind this week. 
um, fucking side stories between the daffodils and the dandelions, uh, which apparently oh we mixed up. God, I, I'm not going to hear the end of it. I don't give everyone a shit. I don't go on Twitter. Fuck Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You're a hero and a saint. <laughs> I swear to God, if Dean Coral would have invented Arm Brew, we wouldn't have covered him. Because Marcus would be like, you know, he's a good dude at the end of the day. People make mistakes. Sometimes they make up to 70 mistakes. <laughs> but it's a crazy thing to think that you could live with someone for eight years and never ride in their car. You never the- trust. You never. You never actually know your partner. Ugh, I mean, it's very true. Yeah, you really, you can. No. <laughs> no. There's well, an inner core to every person. I will, it is this, totally unknown to the well, others. Yeah, you don't, you think you know me, but you don't know what I do when I go take my fucking little shoes off. There's an inner core. <laughs> There's an inner core, yes, but I've ridden in your car and it's totally fine. Yeah, because I clean it. I clean all the blood out. I think we know each other fairly well, but this is equivalent to uh, John Wayne Gacy's room that you don't go into, right? All of them. Because I was thinking, like, like, what is the spot where none of these people were allowed to go? And I suppose it's the car. Must have been. Well, we know for a fact that the floorboards of his car, we'll find out later on, were soaked in blood. Like, this has been his roving mobile murder unit for the entire time. It's, mm. it's really weird. But yes, the idea like you never go in your boyfriend's car. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Well, partly Jeff Selig never suspected Randy because the hours they kept in their respective careers allowed them to live separate lives. Since Jeff was a baker in his own business, he kept baker's hours, mm. which for all intents and purposes is pretty much a night shift. Randy, meanwhile, could always use his work with computers as an excuse to be gone for days at a time. Because, this being 1979, most people, including the author of the book we used as a source for this series, didn't have a clue how computers actually worked. They really didn't. He did sort of sound like he was transported from another time period, like from the industrial age, because he's been like, these so-called gay computers with their <laughs> mysterious inner workings. And like, I was like, these are gay computers. And so Randy was free to kill again and again, all while he kept up the facade of a normal man with a boring job and a seemingly loving relationship. On February 18th, 1980, police found the body of a 19-year-old Marine named Mark Allen Marsh, Marsh had been decapitated and his hands had been severed from his body, which interestingly seemed to be an MO that was reserved for Marines. Yeah, he was obsessed with, it, with just Marines. Maybe they're, I mean, I but don't know. De- but I mean, decapitating and cutting off their hands. The only time he ever did, he did that twice. He did it with Mark Allen Marsh and he did it with Mark Hall, who were both Marines. Well, let me just pull out my new laptop here. It's totally not a gay computer. It's the new Apple Tit. And yes, <laughs> wow, you can that's notice. that's a straight ass computer. Yeah, it's a pretty dude. straight computer. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Yep. Turns out he didn't like Marines. <laughs> <laughs> well, did he keep, I believe he kept some body parts oh, as trophies. I geez. believe he did. Body parts? I don't know about body parts. I know he kept a lot of like clothes and chains yeah, and stuff he wore like that. Jackets. I don't think he kept any body parts though. Oh my God. Eventually though, Randy took a job that would allow him to increase his hunting grounds far beyond Southern California. In the summer of 1980, he got hired at Lear Siegler Industries as a data processing expert, which often sent him to Portland to do data processing work for a subsidiary called Peerless Trailers. Like I said, exciting, insanely boring. Wow, what a great life. (laughs) He liked total control. We know that for a fact. He did this thing called EST training, which is another version of like weird Scientology shit Hmm. where people, you'd go on stage and people would yell what they think your flaws are at you. And like, he went through all of this sort of like yuppie, like early focus group business training shit also at the time that he loved. He absolutely loved it. And he apparently did really well. He wanted to train people in it. 
You probably wow. met someone like that when you were filming Wolf. I mean, I, most of those guys. I, that's the one thing about financial crimes is that in a way it's almost pure. Because it's just about money, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, just taking your money. people's yeah. lives. It's just money doesn't matter. But yeah. so not if you thinking. take someone's money, they're fine. And they're yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I mean? They just get more. They just, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 money's there. Not unless money. they go to pump number nine. Live from your grave. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of spring Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. 
Follow his shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with our seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. While on the road, Randy had his own expense account and access to whatever rental car he wanted. And on one of his first trips out of town, Randy murdered a 17-year-old named Michael O'Fallon in Oregon. O'Fallon's body was dumped off the I-5 highway 10 miles south of Salem, and Randy codenamed him Portland Denver because O'Fallon had been hitchhiking from Colorado. Mm. Now, while Randy might have used the opportunity of regular out-of-town travel to put permanent distance between himself and the murders, he didn't go to Oregon enough to satisfy his near-constant urge to kill. So the slayings continued in Southern California. And he would do this again and again. Like, this is, I mean, again, that's the thing about him that is truly, we like to make fun of these fucking assholes. And obviously Randy Kraft is the same sort of, he is a fucking dweeb and a piece of shit, but he's incredibly dangerous because he would several Uh. times would turn two to three day trips into little murder sprees. Mm -hmm. That would be one serial killer's entire run. He would do on a business trip. That's insane. Less than two months after Michael O'Fallon, Randy, back in Southern California, picked up and butchered a 19-year-old named Robert Loggins, then folded up the remains in a green trash bag and dumped the package in the gutter, where it was found three days later by a group of children. And I think that he did that because of Patrick Kearney. Yeah. Because that's... This is, again, we're heading into BTK territory where because Patrick Kearney would eventually be known as the trash bag killer and he, he would do... He was doing a tip of the cap to another person all operating at the same time and i was reading an interview with patrick kearney and him talking about them knowing that they had competition out there like him talk about it as it was like it was competition he's he's like he's like yeah i heard there was a new boy on the scene but when it really comes down to it i'm a necrophiliac i don't do disgusting things like he did like (laughs) patrick kearney believed that randy Kraft was below him because he just would shoot you in the head and then he'd like to play with your body yeah wow well, oddly, and perhaps tellingly, Logan's death was ruled by police as accidental mm-hmm. for oh. a further three years. I actually sleep in a garbage bag every night, <laughs> and I usually <laughs> oh, find myself the- in a gutter. And he'd been dismembered. Yeah, yeah. I Mr. Potato, you know, I I my- potato myself every night before I go to sleep. I take I off my face, yep. I take off my legs, just because uh, it's just nice to just be a torso. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm 40 now, and I throw my back out when I'm sleeping, so <laughs> I understand. You better go in the fucking dumpster and get it. <laughs> wow, these kids, you can just see the conversation. You touch it, you touch it, man. Yeah. You just poke it with a stick and then oh yeah oh yeah made their day (laughs) made it and ruined it it's an interesting story now with logins we have a few more clues as to what randy Kraft did with his victims prior to killing them when Kraft was finally captured police found photographs and negatives of logins sitting on the couch in Kraft's living room slumped on his sofa either highly intoxicated or already dead 
In a series of pictures following, Loggins was nude and in obviously pornographic positions. What was more, Loggins was by no means the only craft photographed in his own home. Police found 47 pictures of young men, mm. some nude, some clothed, and some very obviously dead. Oh. And here we come across another possible accomplice angle. Randy Kraft had no film development experience, nor did he have access to a darkroom. That means that he had to get these pictures developed somewhere by someone who wouldn't report him, either right. because that person themselves were highly shady and didn't give a fuck what they were developing, or the developer had just as much to lose as Randy should anyone find out what they were doing. Mm. Well, I did analog developing back in the day. Of course. I, I love your story about the grandma. Oh, yeah. Mm. But I, um, I'll um, i tell you one thing about me and my compatriots in that field. <laughs> we did not give a fuck <laughs> what were on those rolls unless right. we wanted to duplicate them and bring them to our friends. Right. And so, to be honest, I'll tell you the truth. I was making, what, five seventy-five at the Eckerd's at the time? Mm. If I saw a bunch of dead bodies on that fucking roll, honestly... I just let him go through. Let him go through. Because what am I going to do? I'm going to call the police. I'm holding weed right now. Like, I knew that I had weed on me. You're drinking scotch before you go in. Your breath ain't smelling too fresh. Yeah, exactly. No, I drove here half lit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to do well in prison. And I'm going to flip on. And I had no one to flip on. I just flip on anybody. I just be like, shots doing cocaine. I would just, like, flip on just random ass people just to not go to jail. I'd do anything possible. But I also think that the accomplices, in a way, Randy Kraft was very clever and he was very, he was very specific and he really thought about his shit. I think that accomplices came and went. Mm. I think that yep. you'd get one accomplice. Like I did with William Bonin. He had four. And he would work with one for a while and then be like, now you're victim number 25. And oh, then like he'd get he another one. Them. I, I, that is my idea is that he mm. would have certain relationships that would go certain ways and then he would just wipe them out because he just mm. kept doing that. He would do that anyway. So why not just burn that, burn them like as you went? That's right. possible. Now, for the next two years, Randy Kraft would commute between his home in Long Beach and Portland, Oregon, sometimes staying up north for weeks at a time. There, he continued his killing spree, creating some of his bloodiest crime scenes yet. In April of 1981, Randy left Michael Cluck near a landfill off I-5, naked from the waist down. His skull had been shattered by 30 blows from either a tire iron or a jack handle. His anus had been ripped, and his thighs and groin were covered in fingernail scratches. Oh my goodness, I was just, I was six months into gestation oh. at that moment. I was Fascinating. Little... <laughs> Isn't that interesting, because I was yeah. born in July. Yeah. So were you almost named Randy Kraft? Is that why you love him, like, so much? Is like, is that what those things where your mom yeah. is like, I hope he grows up to really kill as many men as possible. No, it, we are in that time period. He yeah. took one of his victims two days before I was born. Wow. Wow, guys. Wow. This is great. <laughs> this is really good. When were you born, Henry? Uh, 1984. I was past all this. Um, was this when Kramer versus Kramer came out? That's how we really need to start positioning it. I love Kramer versus Kramer, although that one Kramer loves the N-word. <laughs> he really did. Um, but I feel like with this murder, each, I feel like it's because the dude fought back. You think so? Mm, yeah. That's why he, he, he killed him so mode. brutally. Yeah. He might Interesting. have. I mean, this one was actually nicknamed Portland Blood because oh, it was, you know, it was the bloodiest crime scene yet. Great name for a sporting team. The Portland Blood. Yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah. It's a freaking great ice hockey name or something. Uh, that's a roller derby team. Yeah, roller yeah. derby. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> few months later, back in California, Randy killed a sex worker named Christopher Williams who hustled at the bus stops of Hollywood. Williams had choked to death on his own mucus. <sighs> and since he was a known sex worker, police unofficially labeled his death as a quote unquote misdemeanor murder. And mm. it went entirely uninvestigated. Now, the thing about serial killers is that while some, like Dennis Rader, can balance their public-facing life with their true self without issue, others, like Randy Kraft, eventually crack under the pressure. Perhaps there does exist a human threshold for murder that even serial killers reach, because by 1981, at the age of just 35... Randy was falling apart. It's that hmm. seven-year itch. Yeah. I guess so. I also Do wonder... Do they age like athletes? Maybe. <laughs> well, I think that BTK... Yeah. Like, like pro wrestlers. Yeah. If you look at the number of victims, there actually might be something to that, where yeah. you look at the wear and tear on baseball players, <laughs> right? Like, the idea that... Any, he, any baseball player in particular? Just Bobby Bonilla got there out when the time was right. Ah, now, let's switch it. Come on, let's switch it to Daryl Strawberry. Can we switch it to Daryl Strawberry? Daryl Strawberry? Honestly, what I think he's doing? a better... He's actually a better athlete because of how much he did while actively using cocaine. That's yeah. true. Really talented. Um, but, like, BTK only had... Like, he had he had a far, like, literally a fifth of the victims. Yeah, it's like nine. Wow. Of Randy Kraft. Yeah. So, BTK... Could like his was all about the build up and the stalking and all of like his games and all that kind of shit. Where Randy Kraft really was, I I, I feel like in a way was burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. I'm Randy Kraft here for Icy Hot. Your elbows <laughs> ever hurt after you strangled your other uh, another victim? Icy Hot. Well, even though Randy was getting preachy about taking care of one's health, he was obsessed with vitamins, exercise, and fresh vegetables. And goddamn you, if you weren't as well. Oh my god. Randy was shaky and jumpy. He sweated all the time. His stomach hurt. He he had migraines. He had anxiety, worry, and fear. He couldn't eat, sleep, or concentrate. And as a result, Randy got a poor performance review at work. You could have just very easily put your own name in there, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> Although you get high, you get high marks at work. You what do you do tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another well done performance review <laughs> from Marcus Parks. I don't sweat very much. That's true. That is true. What? I you don't Prince Andrew? I don't think I've ever. <laughs> It, do we have to test this? <laughs> Again, Prince Andrew on the show Hot Ones answering Ooh. the tough questions. He'll sweat. <laughs> well, he got a bad performance review at work. And when Randy began to suffer in the bedroom back at <gasps> home, he moved out of the house temporarily. Conversely, though, we could look at his ailments another way. Randy's physical problems might have come from the fact that Randy's killing had slowed down considerably, meaning his most effective avenue of release was cut off. While Randy was quite busy during the summer of 1980, he took a break from July until April of the following year and didn't kill again for 20 months. Hmm. This, from what I can surmise, matched up with the worst times of Randy's ill health. He just wasn't into it. Hmm? He was not feeling good. He was probably feeling the heat because they were like the press was starting to get involved and talking about this because for a while the cops were they were actively investigating it but no one they never really talked about how many open cases they had yeah right. and then when they arrested kearney and that came out and all of the news about his massive like fucking body count and all this shit that he did like i feel like there's also some of that where he was like the it, People were noticing what was happening. Interesting. Yeah. So he was following the other people in his profession. He must arrested. Have. He mm -hmm. had, there is no way he didn't. Yeah. But once the faucet was turned back on, 
Randy murdered six people in two states in the span of a month and a half. Oh, my God. With all the fury and anger he'd had before. And it's quite possible that his health problems dissipated soon after. Included, this is like when you're when you go to the doctor and you've been a chain smoker for three years or for you know 30 years they're like if you quit smoking now you're gonna die that's what yeah. they told like, my father the, yeah <laughs> like literally being like they're like smoking's the only thing he's got so he goes to the doctor like randy you gotta start killing again yeah. <laughs> like, okay well if you're gonna beg me wow well included in those five murders was an actual double murder one of four that randy called his two in ones in December of 1982, Randy attended a seminar through Lear Ziegler at the Amway Grand Hotel in Grand Rapids, Michigan. While Randy's seminar was being held, there was also a horticulture convention at the same hotel, which is attended by two cousins named Christopher Schoenborn and Dennis Alt. No one is sure how Randy pulled it off, but when the bodies were found, Schoenborn was naked while Alt was clothed. Both were frozen and covered in an inch of snow, and both were filled with alcohol and Valium to render them comatose while Randy did what he liked. A ballpoint pen from Amway Grand had been shoved up Schoenberg's penis up to his bladder. Oh my God. While Alt had somehow escaped this sort of indignity. He was the big one, uh, it, it, because there was one was a mm. six foot one dude and the other guy was a little guy yeah. and he seemed to do the, he he tortured the bigger guy more Kissel um, so I don't know why you love this guy so much because everything out for you because like he wants you he wishes you could play with your body like it's a blunderland yeah, that's true Um, but he I was watching this little special on this like because mm -hmm. there was the, the Grand Rapids like local investigative team like did a story about this and Randy Kraft was seen hanging out with these two dudes. And it seems like they were at the after party for the convention. Yeah. And Randy Kraft like did the thing like, you guys come here often? Like, you know, he's like <laughs> hanging out and doing his like weird thing. Like just like they were, he seemed to be fine with them, but he was doing old school. I think feed them beers. Mm -hmm. They were all just get, they were lit. They were yeah, lit. Right. And then the reporter showed just how easy it was to slip Valium into an open beer, which also showed me, I was like, have you been practicing this? Yeah. Because <laughs> he really did show, he's like, and with a flick of the wrist, you can just drop the Valium right in there. And Nero's just like, whoa, that's wow. very practiced. Well, maybe wow. he's a CIA operative. Perhaps. Oh, dude, Perhaps. <laughs> Anytime a, uh, the word grand is used, wherever you are, if it's a hotel or a city, it's not. No. And so always remember that. Like the more like hyperbole is Except used. Except for the Grand Canyon. It's a big hole. That yeah. is a big hole. Yeah. Yes. For some reason, though, when Randy flew to Portland for more murder, instead of going back to L.A., he left behind a green military jacket from one of his previous victims, Anthony Silveria, whom Randy had killed in Oregon just a few days before. More damning was the fact that Christopher Schoenborn's car keys were found in Randy's room. Now, today, this would have been the end of Randy Kraft. But Randy had registered with a false address. And even though it seems like he registered under his own name, Henry, you might be able to help out with this. I don't know for sure. And that's the thing. It's 1982. Even if he had registered under his own name, you couldn't just Google Randy Kraft. Right. He, you, he had to have been there under his own name because he was there for work. Yeah. 
And since Randy Kraft could be from anywhere, considering how there were two conventions going on at the same time, investigators had little to go on. But that's the thing is that even if he was there for work, I would imagine that he the cops could cross reference the names with who attended what convention. And then they could like call somebody like, hey, where's this guy Randy from? Who does he work for? Actually, we're a little bit busy. We're on the beat. Ice-T said he was robbed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, by pump number nine. (laughs) I feel like there might be a little bit of homophobic like this is icky i think there's a little bit of that coming oh, from the cops i don't, I don't, I don't know no not on this one this is like a you double so? murder yeah it was intense like, dude, it's, yeah and it's just like it's just two dudes dead in a field like that's that they're gonna investigate that. and they were positioned to like at right angles like in a snowfield like yeah. it looks like a scene from seven like yeah. it was very scary looking but he uh you know what i just don't fucking know yeah. i was watching a uh one of those explore with us like true crime stories i was kind of talking about this missing woman like on on youtube and they solved the murder by seeing on a ring camera that the dude had the woman's keychain like yeah. in his hand and they saw it just out of the corner of his eye but it was also really difficult for them to prove it in court still mm-hmm. and they had the footage of it because they're like you know all the, the fucking defense attorney really has to do is like that you can't see this all smudges what is it Right. Yeah. You have your jeweler's glass, Officer <laughs> Dagmanton. You know, I mean, like that kind of shit. Where, like, I don't. Maybe it's just not enough. Yeah, maybe. But it would at the very least be enough for an investigation. At the well, very least, be he, enough to ask questions. Randy Kraft was had been. He'd already been questioned several times in SoCal. Yeah, like they they was being brought in. No, but I mean by the Grand Rapids police. I, maybe it's because once he's out of town, he's out of fucking town. Yeah, and maybe it's really difficult to go and call. Like I'm not giving him. I don't know what the excuse is. I feel yeah. like you call like all of the fucking records right. were ancient. Yeah, that's true. But speaking of the investigation, authorities in Oregon were at least coming somewhat close to narrowing down who might be leaving these horribly mutilated bodies off I-5. They theorized that since there were long periods between murder clusters, the killer probably lived in another state and only visited Oregon for business. Okay. So they contacted other police departments across the country to see if they had murders with similar MOs and victim types. Sure enough, Oregon got a hit from Southern California, and the six Oregon murders were connected to all the rest Randy had killed back home. Yeah, because so there's some think, detective work going on here. Yeah, absolutely. They're well, trying. They, yeah. Of course, they because they, they were really stuck, and it was just these they, the numbers were piling up. Like, yeah. it was really like this guy was out of control. And the way they said it is that they had boiled it down to 11 things 11 11 actions within randy Kraft's murders that mm. were a part of his mo and these had 10 of them yeah and so they called and they said it's just ticked off the list and but maybe that's what it is is because randy Kraft gave a false address maybe he gave an address to some other hub within yeah. his business so then it would you not looking at the socal randy Kraft. yeah the shell corporations yeah Now, Randy's time at Lear Ziegler was coming to an end because Randy had finished the work he'd been brought on to do. And he wasn't going to get hired for another job there because he'd violated company policy by renting the nicest cars and running up the mileage while he'd been in Oregon. Uh, He does not understand working yourself out of a job. Take it easy. (laughs) Take long lunches. You know, relax. (laughs) To give you an idea of just how much Randy Kraft prowled Oregon, he racked up 993 miles in just a single weekend. Whoa. Even though the distance between the Portland airport and his company 
was just 25 miles. I just like to drive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. he, he did say that when one of his police interrogations, he's just like, I just get this driving fever, man. Yeah. Like, if it comes on me, it's just like, you know, I just get out there and I just I zip on down to Mexico. I zip all the way up to Portland. And they're all like, that's not why, the problem. Yeah. Why, why would you do that? I mean, uh, a lot of people like to drive. Yeah. They do. It's mostly the murders. Yeah. That's the problem. And so the road murder stopped to save one. Mm. And Randy would therefore commit six of his last seven known murders in Southern California. It's also during this time period that investigators would obtain the strongest evidence yet for an accomplice. After a worker for the De California Department of Transportation found the body of 21-year-old Eric Church off the shoulder of the 605 on-ramp near Seal Beach, it was found that the semen sample taken from the body did not match Randy's blood type. Hmm. Definitely another guy there. Furthermore, Randy's next and last so-called two-in-one seemed to have been nearly impossible to pull off alone. In February of 1983, cops found the still warm and mutilated body of Jeff Nelson covered in skid marks after it had been pushed from a fairly fast-moving vehicle. The next day, cops found a friend of Jeff Nelson's named Roger Duvall down a ravine next to the highway. Hmm. The link between the two men came when both were found with potato skins and grapes in their stomach. And a photo of Duvall's corpse was later found in Randy's possession. Oh, man, I don't want that to be my last meal. Potato skins and grapes. I mean, uh, it sucks. Unless you're at like a mixer. Yeah, yeah but that's, you're, that's good for a, a mixer meal, but not for your last meal. No, no, no my last meal, I want it to be a bullet. <laughs> um, but Roger Duvall, he might have been the accomplice. I think that's the accomplice. Oh, and he, then he gets killed ixed him. out yeah. when he's oh. done with him. Well, let's get into it a little bit. See, with the Grand Rapids two-for-one, you had a situation in which Randy most likely met the cousins, drove away with them, drugged them with Valium and beer, then killed them together in a secluded location when neither one could fight back. That's his whole thing, killing people when they can't fight back. Additionally, it seems that he did it alone because he committed it far away from home. And I believe the way that that would work is, I mean, straight up, Predator style. You look at the big guy. You get him super fucking loaded. The him and the little dude were family members, right? They were cousins. They go. They went together everywhere. So you get the big guy hammered, and right. you're like, "We're gonna go out to this party," because that's what Randy Kraft used to do, and say like, "We're gonna go out to some party. There's gonna be a lot of girls. You're gonna love all these girls." <laughs> yeah. And then you'd get in their car, and by then you are now succumbing to like maybe you have one more road soda. With another fucking Valium to the little guy. Little right. guy is now drifting off. The other guy's already out. And then he just dispatches one and then dispatches the other. Yeah. Like in that. And then because I think like that was part of his fucking game. Yeah. Was he liked it with the cards were pressed against him. Like that it was difficult to do. He did yeah, it four he times. He yeah. didn't take the easy way out. That's, I mean, other than being a murderer as opposed to anyone successful in yeah, any yeah, which yeah, way. Like doing but he definitely like uh, pushed himself to the limit. He didn't yeah. find easily easy to kill victims, it doesn't sound no. like. No. But with Nelson and Duvall, any number of things could have happened. Some requiring an accomplice, some not. And some, of course, making Duvall the accomplice, as sure. he said. From the solo angle, Randy was never found with a gun. But it's possible that he could have coerced Duvall into helping him throw the body from the car with a gun pointed at him. Mm. Then killed Duvall afterward. Duvall also might have been the first killed. And it was just a case of Nelson being found before Duvall. Or Randy might never have had to threaten anyone and just killed one victim in his two-in-ones while the other 
was passed out. Also, when you say two and ones, I just think of Ponderosa. Yeah. Uh, and I think of like families eat free. I was thinking uh, Arby's. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking Arby's, but that was five for one. But this is uh, this is about murder. But that's more of a lame ass serial killer humor. It's like right. it's taking like a, a fucking, you know, a fast food special and trivializing uh, a murder of two human beings. Right. I'm giving up your life for Lent. Mm-hmm. But it also shows that he had his own little lexicon in his own mind and, mm-hmm. what, and how he viewed his so own work. He wrote it was a, like he would write that on his he would write pad. two and one. And then, like for the Grand Rapids, he wrote <sighs> two and one GR. Yeah, GR two. Yeah, <sighs> but it's also possible that Randy had an accomplice to help him handle both victims at the same time. Especially considering how closely this murder came after Eric Church was found with another man's semen present. But that could. I mean, okay, let's go out here. Let's go on a limb here. You going on a limb? Oh, oh he's on a we swim in, we swimming in deep water. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep, deep sea, many waters. What if it's just some other guy's semen? I mean, it's very possible. No, it really is. Now that because that, that's the thing. What if it's a guy he didn't he didn't kill? Because he also would still cruise. He would still straight up normally cruise. No, no, no. If the semen was found on Eric Church's body, which means what I was more thinking is that Eric Church might have had sex with another man immediately before meeting Randy. Kraft. Yeah, it's very possible. That's also that that's something that people, police investigators look at all the time when they love watching that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the fact that Nelson was still warm when he was found tells us that Randy probably killed him in the car while Mm -hmm. he was driving. And it's hard to imagine Randy strangling someone to death while driving down the freeway. Although you could see, because a lot of these victims were killed with their own shoelaces. Mm. So it's possible that Randy was driving, had already wrapped and tied the shoelace around uh, this dude's neck and was just pulling on it while he was driving just using one hand or is he just choking to death on his own vomit yeah like this one was strangled yeah oh my god what else is interesting concerning eric church is that even though randy was found to be in possession of church's belongings that's how they connected randy craft to eric church's murder yeah church did not appear on randy's scorecard meaning that the trophy from eric's murder may have been presented to randy as a gift from a willing accomplice. Sure. Oh that, my that's my God. theory, at least. This I, is crazy. Sure, because then he kills him. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe none of the accomplices are on the list. Oh my God. This Quite is possible. freaking this is a super, super villain. He is I mean, he is one of the worst of the worst. Like he besides really like, is. you know, the child murderers of South America, which we'll get into, and the other freeway killers. Like he is just a yeah. Yeah. No, there's a world. That went that existed around Randy Kraft that we will never know because hmm. he still to this day does not ag- admit any guilt whatsoever. It's crazy to think. It's amazing he's still alive. Maintains his innocence. You know what he looks like now too. Remember the fat guy from fucking Ernest Goes to Camp? Of course. <laughs> Remember his partner? Yeah. Oh yeah. Looking like him. <laughs> well, he was. A he great went from sous- Will Forte to that guy. He was yeah. a great sous chef for eggs aronis. <laughs> <laughs> However. As it sadly went with most serial killer investigations in the past, it's not until after the killer is caught that the pieces are all put together. And even then, sometimes many of the pieces are still missing. Mm. As such, the killer often had to get caught red-handed. And there are a few serial killers who have been caught as red-handed as Randy Kraft was. I would go as far as to say it was maroon-handed. <laughs> like, this oh. is the, this is as red as a hands can be. They are they were they had blood on them sure when he was arrested. In it, yeah. Now on May 13th, 1983, the day before Kraft was captured, his partner Jeff Selig was invited to participate in the first Los Angeles Candy Convention. Whoa! <laughs> 
my Welcome God. Welcome to the candy convention. Okay, <laughs> listen, okay? Everybody's yeah. got to stop with the group rapes, okay? This is a candy I'm here for Team Laffy Taffy. I'm with Team Laffy Taffy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just so you know, for, just for everyone's awareness, the group rapes will continue in the Taffy room. <laughs> but not here. This is the candy cane area, all right? This candy cane area? Yes. I'm with Team Laffy Taffy. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Well, Randy helped Jeff set up the booth at the candy convention. Then he left. Fuck this. Fuck this fucking candy. <laughs> Imagine Randy Kraft being surrounded by so much joy yeah. as a candy convention. Well, yeah. He was very, again, but this is a, this is when Randy Kraft said it's, it's like highly agitated. Like that's the truth he grew into because he used to really be a very cool customer. If you read, there's one interrogation within uh, Angel of Darkness that is very interesting because his story of like why he was innocent for this thing is so detailed. Like he puts so much detail hmm. into his alibis and, and what he knows about the areas. Like he does a lot of research about his dumping areas and all this kind of shit. It's just like bridge. Just like bridge. <laughs> I keep saying that to myself. And then but Randy, by the time he's at this candy convention, he's like, he's like fucking all right. Here's your fucking bonbons. All right. Are we got, are we done here? Right. Oh, you want me to set? Oh, you want me to separate on my fucking nut? So is how he, am I supposed to know the difference between a cashew and a hazelnut? This is Lucy. Where, this is where you got some explaining to do, Lucy. I I understand that would be confusing. Mm -hmm. To be fair, well the next time, <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. That I don't would know be the confusing. I don't know the difference between a cashew and a hazelnut. I'm a serial murderer. Do you know how much blood is on my hands? You're making me here dig through all these fucking macadamia nuts. Randy, you're stressed. Don't tell me what I am. Why don't you spend some time in the Laffy Taffy room? <laughs> okay, you're right. There's some group activity over there. I was really interested in. Uh -huh. <laughs> the next time Jeff and Randy spoke to each other, it was the following day. Randy had called Jeff and told him that he had made a monstrous mistake oh my God. and needed help finding a good lawyer as soon as possible. Uh-huh. I think you need to go as far as an excellent lawyer. I need yeah. Kubi, man. I want Kubi. <laughs> Bill Kunstler. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> See, at around 1 a.m. the night before, two California Highway Patrol officers had seen Randy Kraft's 1979 Toyota Celica driving far into the right lane, weaving on and off the shoulder for several minutes. After Randy made an illegal lane change, the cops turned on the sirens and pulled Randy over. Let's go congratulate this guy on how great a drunk driver he is. <laughs> <laughs> now, Randy slowed down to 30 miles an hour, but didn't stop. And when cops pulled up next to him and shone a spotlight into his car, they saw him grab a jacket from the back seat so he could use it to cover something next to him. Man, I live in L.A. I know what it's like to do everything within the confines of the driver's seat of your car. Sure. And like, you know, I've, I've changed full outfits while driving and shit. You're an and actor. That's, that's got to be very uh, difficult. Yeah. To cover up a, a world of murders. Yeah. Wow. Well, finally, Randy pulled over and immediately got out of the car, quickly and nervously walking towards the cops. Hey. Oh. <laughs> hey, guys. How you guys doing? You guys having a good night? Yeah, me too, huh? Is that that guy from the Laffy Taffy room? Yeah, hey. What's going on? Merle? Yeah. Whoa, man. Salt and caramel. Hands up. <laughs> So in the experience of the highway patrol, this usually meant the driver was hiding something, most likely an open beer. And Randy did indeed have a half-empty moose head in his cup holder. <laughs> that is moose head. That was his beer. I he uh, love moose, moose head. head. I've had it many times. Yeah. You, I mean, the best part of a moose head, you could drink a dozen of them. You're only as drunk as you feel. That's right. <laughs> only as drunk as a moose. <laughs> 
But the cops almost immediately noticed that Randy's fly was open. And they also noticed that there was an unresponsive dude slumped over in the front seat. That's oh, I the thought, thing. That's I, the yeah, thing. Because I thought at first, I was like, no, did they get him because he didn't have a license to sell hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> You got him. The guy in the front seat was Terry Lee Gambriel, a 25 year old Marine, whom Randy said was simply a hitchhiker who had too much to drink. You don't need to go talk to him. He's just had too much to drink. You need to stay far away from that guy. He's had too much to drink. I see. Don't want to wake him up. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Now, not taking his word for it, Sergeant Michael Howard approached the car and saw Gambriel amidst several empty bottles of Moosehead beer and an open prescription bottle of lorazepam. Where'd those come from? <laughs> what? When Gabriel didn't wake from verbal command, Howard tried shaking his arm. And that's when he discovered that Randy's passenger was cold as ice. Oh, man. If you're a police officer, side stories, LPOTL at gmail.com. Is this the type of thing where you are dismayed at what your night is going to be? Or is there a little bit of you that's like, yes, <laughs> like this is going to be a good well, story. Hopefully you can get a promotion so you can get off the beat. That's mm -hmm. what my dad did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Your dad did. No, your dad had to go off the beat. No, no. He stopped. Uh, that's what he got commended for stopping a guy that was wanted for two murders on a traffic stop. He and did. then he chased him down and arrested him. And then he got to not have to be a, a dangerous cop anymore. <laughs> and then he also detained the fat boys for a moment. He had to. Yeah. <laughs> When Howard reached to check Gambriel's pulse, he found that Gambriel had a ligature mark around his neck from being choked to death by his own belt. Oh, and when the God. patrolman removed the jacket, he saw that Gambriel's genitals were exposed, his lap was wet with urine, and his wrists had fresh welt marks from being bound with his own shoelaces. Well, let's just book him on public indecency for the zipper being down. Seems like there's kind of a gay thing going on yeah, here. Why don't we just get Let's just sort of... Let's smooth this you one over. You know the way they are. Here. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what time is the Laffy Taffy room close? <laughs> and as Randy waited for the paramedics to come and officially declare Gambriel dead, all Kraft would say was, how's my friend? How's my friend? Doesn't seem like you treated him very friendly, did you? Mm -hmm. Now, considering how erratically Randy was driving during an obvious dump attempt, it's hard to see how his method had never been noticed before. Mayhaps Randy was trying to accomplish alone what was usually a two-man job. Hmm. But even so, considering the mountain of evidence present in just Randy's car alone, all it would have taken to catch one of the most prolific serial killers in American history was a simple search. You know, <sighs> it could just be... The fucking wheels started falling off too. Could be. It could just be you. He's lost the fucking the the fucking grip. He's on getting it. older. He's not as he's not able to dump a body as well at thirty six as he was at twenty six. Yeah, that's how I mean, it is. It makes sense. It's very physical. I mean, that to sounds kill that sounds facetious, but it is I, true. It, like, it, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not as spry as I was at twenty nine. Yeah, yeah you, you, you haven't see. killed anyone. You haven't been able to kill in five years. Yeah, that's why he has to let all his body slowly dissolve <laughs> in his bathtub so covered in lime. Strange. The old way. The, the, the you know the classic Amish. <laughs> Live from your grave. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. 
Yeah, it's me, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast of the left, babe. Go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road and get that vape, put it in your brain and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Last podcast on the left. It's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest and I guess I can share it here. I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, besides a bottle of concoction called Sticks, spelled S-T-Y-X, cool. which author Dennis McDougal identified as a, quote, aphrodisiac for gay lovers. Okay. <laughs> I need no. This author is so scared of how gay he is. He yeah. just, that is well, the problem. He just <laughs> looks at, he's jealous of Randy Kraft's yeah. freedom. Yeah. <laughs> if he's not like, I don't know if he's like scared. It's just, there's this yearning that, and he knows a lot about it. He's like, oh yeah, sticks. Only gay men use sticks. Yes, it's like, exactly. How do you know? It's like Jeff Sessions talking about the lifestyle of gay people. And it's like, that's just you. That's yeah. your life. 
In addition to sticks, cops found nine different prescription drugs, a well-thumbed paperback called The Essential Guide to Prescription Drugs, and an envelope containing 47 photographs of young men in various stages of unconsciousness and death. And a one-page pitch sheet that says, if I did it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Furthermore, it was obvious that Gambriel was not the only person killed in Randy's Toyota Celica. Because while Gambriel had no open wounds, the passenger seat of Randy's car was soaked with blood. Oh, my God. Furthermore. What could that even smell like? It must have been uh, a slaughterhouse. I guess. Oh, or you just scrub the outward blood off. I mean, side stories, LPOTL at gmail.com. If your car is soaked in blood, what does it smell like? Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't have to be human blood. Say you're a hunter. You yeah. didn't have you, the bed of your truck was filled with something. You had to put the deer in the back seat. And it happened. Perhaps on open lines or a serious radio show. And thanks so much for calling in. Maybe we'll talk about police investigations or something at some point. Ooh, yeah. Uh yeah. hear some of the juicy stories uh mm-hmm. from the from the lives of cops. Ooh. Crazy. Furthermore, cops found a briefcase containing a wood grain binder with 61 neatly printed notations, 30 names or phrases on the left and 31 on the right. This was Randy's scorecard. Mm. And while Randy at first said that it was a list of nicknames for his friends in the gay community, it was obvious to investigators that this was a victim list. However, to this day, only 42 out of the 61 entries have been positively identified as 44 victims, including the two and ones, meaning there were 17 John Doe's. Oh, my God. Including two unidentified double murders. These victims were listed as Angel, Harikari, Marine Down, Van Driveway, 2 and one MV to PL, LB Marina, Diabetic, Portland, Navy White User, Iowa, 2 and one Hitch, Front of Ripples, Carpenter, MC Dump, HB Short, Portland Eck, Oil, and finally, What You Got. All I know is, can, if you kill me, don't name my illness. Like, yeah. I don't need to be known as diabetic. Gout. Diabetic. Yeah, just, yeah. The gout guy. Big like, stinky gout fucker. <laughs> you know, that would really be, I would be really upset. Me. Yeah. What, Super funny castable man. What is this? Wow. <laughs> what this shows, considering the locational nature of some of the names, is the transient nature of many of his victims. And it shows you just how many extremely violent deaths in this period of time were lost in the shuffle as so-called misdemeanor murders Mm. alternatively it might instead or also show that southern california is still covered in dead bodies that have never been found for certain yes for example included on randy's scorecard was paul fuchs his body is missing to this day and we know that he killed him so yes there is definitely there has to be many bodies left investigators cleverly made the connection to randy's lame serial killer joke expletive deleted Mm. and they put two and two together because fuchs was a regular at club ripples where randy found multiple victims and speaking of lame jokes harikari might refer to a 30 year old man named david sant who was found with multiple stab wounds to the stomach Mm. His body was found in a kneeling position with his arms extended outward, which could be seen as a reference to the Japanese ritual suicide practice of Harikari. Right. Yeah, unless it was a guy who sounded like Harry Carey. (laughs) Interestingly, though, the scorecard entries were very similar to how date files in an IBM computer worked, meaning that Randy Kraft had applied his nerdy computer knowledge to his murder catalog. It feels like not only just his... 
I don't know if it's just his like computer shit. It's just also kind of how his brain worked because mm-hmm. he was one of those like hyper, hyper specific dudes that just like lived by his own weird kind of code. Like well, I, I feel like all serial killers live like, or most serial killers live like so that. Well, he's talk about organized killers. Yeah. He is by far one of the most organized killers that there has ever been. Oh, yeah. Because he really did keep a running tally. And this was obviously kind of like his way to jerk off looking at his list. Yeah. So after finding enough evidence to convict Randy just in his car, cops set in on Randy's apartment where furniture in the house was matched up to Randy's photos. As far as hard evidence went, a shaving kit inscribed with the name Michael Cluck was found in Randy's bathroom, where Randy had obviously used it on the regular. In addition, they found Michael O'Fallon's camera, a Norelco shaver carrying case belonging to Eric Church, mm. and a pair of nunchucks that had belonged to a victim named Lance Tags. Man, you had to take nunchucks from your victim. How dangerous are you, man? He had nunchucks. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of the most dangerous weapons that there is. Yeah, because it's one of the only weapons that can really kill you accidentally. Yeah. Absolutely. I used to have a pair when I was a kid. I bought them at a, at a thrift store, and they were real cool. Yeah, and I, I got hit my head. I, I hit myself in the head a lot. Of course. <laughs> There was also a box containing chains, shoelaces, shirts, jackets, and belts, all from murder victims. And they found an old yellow rug that matched fibers found on the body of victim Scott Hughes. All this evidence and more pointed towards the fact that Randy had been killing men in his own home right under the nose of his partner, for years. And we're going to give you an extra year again for being an illegal hot dog salesman. <laughs> <laughs> but again, check on your lover. Yeah. See oh, what they're man. doing. Ask, hey, how's your day? No, really. How's your fucking day? And really yeah. get in. Yeah. You can dig in if you like. Yeah, man. Get in there, man. Yeah, Accuse your lover tonight. <laughs> <laughs> But despite evidence that rivals that found in John Wayne Gacy's crawl space, Randy maintained his innocence. In addition, his partner Jeff Selig defended him, and all his friends, family, and coworkers went along with the frame-up story. It's because his wow. character, that was normal guy Randy Kraft, was very well put together. Very he, well liked, too. He, people really thought it looked solid. Like, wow. it looked like there's no way he's got this dark side. He's a nerd. He lives this shit. Like, you know, he lives this quiet, like, the kind of suburban gay lifestyle. And he has a professional job and all of this shit. And you never know what anybody does. No. And of course, all those people dropped away faster and OJ Simpson hangers on once oh. the evidence started coming out. Right, oh, yeah. right. No well, one stood by him for long. I mean, because he, just... Randy Kraft was really like living that American dream. The true American dream is that if you lie long enough, it becomes real. Absolutely. That if you just never admit, if you never submit to what anybody says to anything ever, then maybe one day they'll all just forget about it. Yeah. They'll just leave you alone. And sadly, often they do. Yeah. Now, about a month after Kraft was arrested, police received a compelling, if probably fake, letter from a man named Les who claimed that he was the new Zodiac killer. <laughs> and some of the victims oh my God. attached to Kraft actually belonged to him. Oh, it, buddy. It wasn't him. It was me, <laughs> Les. Yeah, I'm the Zodiac killer. Oh, Lord. Randy, the are sequel? You, are uh. you trying to be Jeff Dunham? <laughs> no. Les claimed Let to. Let him go! <laughs> Less claimed to have come to, quote, liquidate the evil boys and men of this area who were all members in the army of Satan. Oh, Satan! No. Satan! Oh, my God. <laughs> this letter, quite reasonably, was ignored. 
and Randy was charged with 16 murders. Yeah, who's that guy, though? Did you get that letter from Les, by any chance? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, the cops did have enough evidence to charge Randy with many more than 16 murders, but they figured, perhaps rightly, that 16 was enough because Randy was going down no matter what. And this yeah. was already going to be one of the longest and most expensive trials in Orange County history. Yeah, it would have been nice if the victim's families could have screamed at him to his face. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they did eventually get together and all yeah. yell at him, but it, it's not the same. I mean, because, that must well, because, be... you know, the thing, too, oh, is that yeah. what's funny about the court system and all that kind of shit. If you if something goes wrong, like you really have to play it correctly, even when you, you have a guy dead to rights and you're like, oh, he's going to go away forever. Absolutely. If, if the lawyers fuck up like you're you could bust it all up and so you might as well like keep it tight like keep let's get tight. him what we can get him for mm-hmm. i can't i mean that is bigger than 99 percent of weddings if all of the victims families get together yeah that's hundreds of people yeah it really is oh my gosh but the opinion that randy was going down was not randy's opinion while he waited for trial. <laughs> no, he... take this into account, okay? <laughs> hey, listen, listen. Let's ask Randy what he thinks. Uh, let's just... I didn't do it. <laughs> he didn't do it. If, I mean, it is true. If they, if the jury comes back and they say guilty, and if we, if in within two seconds you say the word not, mm-hmm. it works. Not, uh, yeah, but not. from the year 1992 to 1997, yes. That didn't work. <laughs> well, while Randy waited for trial, he wrote letters to his sister saying that he discovered meditation and the philosopher Alan Watts. And he spoke to everyone who came by as if nothing had even happened. Oh my god. Because he just figured I'm going to he's going to do he's doing old-fashioned John Les hold the line. Mhm. Yeah. In a predictable move, Randy also started studying law so he could act as his own defense attorney. Of course, cuz he thinks he's a fucking genius. Yeah. <laughs> But he was wisely persuaded to trust a licensed lawyer by the time the pre-trial hearing began. However, there wasn't much even an experienced lawyer could do. Echoing John Wayne Gacy's unlicensed graveyard defense, the lawyer was forced to claim that just because a murder victim is discovered in the front seat of the car you're driving, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that you're the one who killed him. Just because I woke up next to a thousand Taco Bell wrappers doesn't mean that I'm the one who ate all the Taco Bell. I didn't yes, I was alone. Man, he just must be such a funny-ass lawyer that owes so much money to so many different people or he's just like, how could this be a crime? Like oh. We've talked about on Side Stories this week. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what he did. He called being pulled over with a body in your car. He called that circumstantial. Circumstantial. Yeah. He's got it, you know, Credit to him. Yeah, yeah. Everyone deserve, Credit deserves to a defense, his I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Randy was convinced that somehow, if he just kept denying the truth, he'd walk away from 16 murder charges. In a Christmas letter written to his family, Kraft optimistically drew upon a popular pop culture reference of the day, writing, quote, I think, Master Luke, there is a joyous swelling in the force. Oh my God. I'm going to do any gas pumps work in this country. <laughs> Number nine. Oh my God, I'm going to die. Now, since there were so many murders to contend with, jury selection didn't begin on Randy's trial for five years. Oh my God. Well, he was in jail at least during that time period. Yes. He got to they at least in bail. Sale. Yeah. No, he wasn't out on bail, like helping fucking Jeff set up at other candy, the second <laughs> annual Los Angeles candy <laughs> convention. Uh, he's in fucking jail. And because of the volume of the charges, the trial was expected to last another two years. Wow. You're asking a lot of these jurors. Yeah. Yes. Oh but, my God. Two years of your life as a juror on this yeah. case. This yeah. is why you find only, you only find people who have like a plate in their head or like somebody <laughs> yeah. who's been like, 
my grandfather is an alien. Like, <laughs> that's the problem. That's what we end up. But what happens? I mean, you have to, if you get ele- elected to jury duty, we would just have to stop the show. I mean, it, yeah, really would. But this We'd have tr- to record at court. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that might actually help us. By the end of it, 157 witnesses took the stand, and over a thousand pieces of evidence were introduced by the prosecution. You know, I almost got put on a murder jury trial yes. a week before me and Carolina got married. I remember. Ooh, yeah. That wow. was horrible. And then you were like, I'm a true crime podcaster. They're like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't I, do the thing where like, maybe murder isn't so bad a crime. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely went into like the true crime pedigrees. Like, yeah, I'm a true crime podcaster. And in the past, I've worked on many true crime podcasts. <laughs> and the prosecutor openly told me I was trying to get out of jury duty. And it's been like, you're trying to get out of being a fucking moron, asshole. <laughs> That's what I would say. Got your ass. Also, check out this trick. I'm an unlawful <laughs> hot dog salesman. I would like to just tell the, uh, remind the court, um, opening up your pants and revealing your penis is actually a crime you can be arrested for while you're in court. <laughs> That's all right. By the end of it, 157 witnesses took the stand in Randy Kraft's trial, and over a thousand pieces of evidence were introduced by the prosecution. Kraft's defense, meanwhile, relied on alibis and alternative suspects, including the aforementioned magician Vernon Butts. Whoa. Also, we're going to bring Kellyanne Conway down, <laughs> and uh, she's going to give some alternative facts here. Well, I mean, this wasn't uh, putting Vernon Butts in the hot seat. Not the worst idea because Vernon Butts had participated in six murders with fellow freeway killer William Bonin. I wonder if he had the same opinion where he's like, uh, Randy's gross, though. Actually, we're going to get to that right now. <laughs> William Bonin himself was not presented as an alternative suspect, although the third freeway killer, Patrick Kearney, was. And later, when Bonin was asked about his possible involvement in Kraft's crime, he was offended, saying, quote, I don't cut the dicks off little boys. God. Okay. You know what? Congratulations. <laughs> so in this world, if this you, is the bar again, you really did it. You yep. didn't. You didn't do it, so you did it. Oh yeah, Great. yeah. Patrick Kearney went on to say, like he openly admitted to jerking off his own dog and t- training oh. it to suck his dick throughout his childhood, oh. but he'd still say, "I'm not disgusting like Randy Kraft." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. Well, concerning a possible accomplice, police never quite settled on a firm suspect. But one possible suspect was John McMillan, who'd been under surveillance on and off for years. Now, it's thought that when did they turn it off? Like once you're on surveillance, at what point are they like, "Yeah, we've surveilled enough. We'll come. We'll circle back." I don't know. I think when they just finally figure out, like, "Nah, there's not." They get that the gut feeling. Like, yeah, okay. "Nah, there's nothing here." We've okay. seen this guy's open asshole too many times. <laughs> I really wish we can we stop the surveillance. <laughs> now, it's thought that McMillan was probably just a hedonistic counterculture figure who liked kinky sex, but it is interesting to note that McMillan killed himself right after Randy Kraft was arrested. Hmm. Another suspect was a small-time criminal named Bob Jackson, who gave an interview in which he claimed that he'd murdered two hitchhikers with Kraft in Wyoming and Colorado during the mid to late 70s. 
Authorities, however, were unable to corroborate these claims because there were no bodies to attach them to. We, we, now we know a lot of times people confess to these crimes that they might not have anything to do with because if you're already in jail, it gives you some cred. It yeah, gives right. you like people then look at you like like you're higher up on the food chain. And Weird. I know you enter into his lore in a way. Well, you it, become a part of Randy Kraft's story. It also gives you something to trade. Like yeah. you can, you also you get out of jail for a little bit. I yeah. mean, remember that was the whole thing with uh, Henry Lee Lucas. Got his milkshakes. Got, got to talk to that fucking nun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, concerning the defense, they were somewhat clever when they had the chance to be. They refused to submit Randy to psychological testing, which is routine in most multiple murder cases, making the argument that testing the defendant didn't make sense. Because he's innocent. Why would we <laughs> test an innocent man? <laughs> they did, however, agree to have Randy's brain scanned. And the scan showed lethargic electrical activity in the part of the brain that dictates judgment. Hmm. And abnormally high activity in the parts that governed emotion, impulse, and sex drive. I don't That's think we that he would go into computers. Seriously. I mean, like, but also, I don't think we need to scan his brain. I think yeah, we right. look at his everyday activity mm -hmm. and see all of this. Yeah. That is interesting, though, that they went that route. That they scanned his brain. Yeah, it's interesting. That, I mean, people, we very much need to know, like, how does a serial killer's brain work? Absolutely. You know? and oh, that, yeah. And these see, from the serial killer brains that they've scanned, they see that same shit over and over and over again. Wow. But in the end... Randy's trial was the biggest waste of time and money in Orange County judicial history. 13 months and $10 million. Woo! And he was sentenced to death for all 16 murders in 1990. By 1993, Dennis McDougal had published his book, Angel of Darkness, about Randy Kraft. And in turn, Randy sued McDougal and his publisher <laughs> for $62 million in damage. We're going to get right on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to get right to that. that. Yeah. But also, you know, again, staying in character. Yeah. Like, fucking, uh, we're going down. I am not going to be vilified by your wow. so-called rag. <laughs> <laughs> From Randy's point of view, the book had smeared his, quote-unquote, good name. <laughs> And it had destroyed any and all prospects for future employment should his conviction be overturned. What, what the uh, hey, hey, Randy Kraft, if this podcast happens to get to you while you're sitting at 77 years old on death row, fuck you, you piece <laughs> of shit. You fucked up. You're bad at it. He's bad at it. And you're ugly. And he's, wow, yep. he went there. Absolutely. Yeah. What a douchebag. He's still technically on death row in San Quentin. Now, I don't At the age of 77. Is, isn't everyone who's 77 on death row? Uh, no, I'm just joking. You can live a long life. They say the person who's going to be a thousand years old might be alive today. Yeah, our president's 78. Yeah. <laughs> he is so, he's just so good at it. <laughs> and probably the reason why he's still on death row is because he's been able to appeal each of the 16 murder convictions separately again and again over I the years, see. spending untold amounts of tax dollars because the death penalty is, for countless reasons, Dumb. It's yes. just too expensive. He's the, going to die. These and you're going to kill innocent people. There's so many reasons why you so didn't get many. rid of the death penalty. Again, and these motherfuckers should sit and rot and they should be pestered by psychologists and scientists and you should be looking at the flesh of their stupid fucking brains and mm -hmm. see what they do. Yeah, hello, Randy. I'm here again for another one of our videos. No, that's sexy, Marcus. <laughs> that would be nice. Hey. 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 Well, I, was trying to go, I was trying to go like German scientist, but I guess that's it didn't end up being a little... Yeah. Oh, he wants about? a German scientist. He yeah. needs to be a big, busty woman. Yeah, well, Randy's oh, just saying... Okay, yeah. Randy, now it's time to talk about <laughs> the murders. <laughs> Come on, Randy. Come on, talk into my breast. Yeah, otherwise, Randy's just going to be like the prison keeps on sending sex workers over. This is great. <laughs> 
Most likely, Randy Kraft will be able to put off his execution indefinitely in pursuit of a natural death, just like Lawrence Bittaker, who lessened Randy's death row bridge club by one oh. when he died in 2019. I guess God got himself another angel. <laughs> and now, Kissel, I hope after learning all about this, you can correct you. that tattoo to maybe something like Brandy Kraft, like some sort of independent new Brandy line you can run, something else, just so you can just learn to just, I mean, turn some of the fandom down or a you degree. Can, you can get in the Brandy business yourself and change it to Brandy Crafter. See? Oh, that's very good. Well, I'm never helping out with research or ideas again. Um, I've been demeaned for the smallest amount of work I tried to do. Um, thank you all so much for listening to this series. This guy is one of the worst human beings we have ever covered. Yeah, probably. Holy He's close crap. to it. I would say him, like, maybe if we rank them, I would put him in there, you know, Albert Fish, like the old school baddies that no. we covered, like the original it's OG villains. Fish -like but tendencies. he's in there. Um, Rock Terrio. Yeah. I would put him close to that. Jim Jones, now we know because of his, just because of the body count that he had. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, he took nine, oh, over almost a thousand people with him. Yeah. yeah. Harold Shippen's still just a boring ass bitch. I mean, I'm yeah, like, fuck him. What yeah. are we going to do with that guy? Yeah, another, what are we going to do with this what guy? What are we going <laughs> to do? Well, thank you all so much for listening to the show and for all the shows. Um, I suppose because next week, so you know, we're heading into some modern cult territory. Very, very excited for this next topic. Mm -hmm. uh, small cult. Small, small cult. Boutique. Small. Boutique. Exactly. Cult. Yes. Boutique but I'm very, cult. very excited to get back up into the cult saddle. Absolutely. And uh, Jacksonville was fantastic. Memphis and Atlanta, y'all are beautiful people. We're all beautiful. Check out our comic book, last comic book yeah. on the left, Z2. It is out there. Pre-order it. Um, I don't know when that's coming out. Not sure either. But go and pre-order that because eventually <laughs> it, it does soon. exist. It, does, it, it will Very come soon. Very soon. Spring Legally. of, spring of uh, 2022 is what I was always told. Uh, spring Hill Jack Coffee. Go get our mop yeah. and blend. It's out there. We don't hear the commercial up top anymore, but just so you know, we're still thinking about it and we're begging you to buy that fucking coffee because if not, everything's going to burn down. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think everything's going to fucking fall apart. Radycraft style. Weaving in and out of the fucking lanes. <laughs> so you got to be there getting that coffee. All right. And this week, No Dogs in Space new series Woo. is released nice. yes. the replacements. yeah the replacements oh yeah no we're getting to know the midwest quite well on this one. Uh, well i feel like know. i understand you a lot better now is it passive aggressiveness that drives you insane because uh, that's what drives me insane the passive aggressiveness of, of the, midwest. Uh, the, midwest. the midwest i love now, the people but the passive aggressiveness makes me freaking nuts it makes them half canadian yeah yes yeah, problem <laughs> the passive aggressiveness is definitely a part of it but just overall like i in studying them i feel like i've been studying you all right. Well, that's disgusting. <laughs> um, oh, and some place underneath also comes back season two this Wednesday. So we're, we're back up in the saddle. Oh, and yeah. of course, check out Top Hat for all the uh, for the true horrors that's going on all around the world. It's just great to be alive. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you're doing well out there. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail again. Magustalations. Hell, man. Yeah. Come on, Randy. <laughs> Come on, Randy. Come tell all those secrets. You know, I'm just here because I was an illegal hot dog salesman. Come on. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Yeah.